Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Near. I'm Brett, and today we dive into the realm of board games, video games based on them, and everything in between. Hey, Walker, what's got you picking up your sticks this week? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, oh, of course, I've still been playing, you know, WoW and the, the usual suspects. Um, but actually, this week, I wanted to talk about some board games that I've played uh, here lately. Um, <clears throat> board games, obviously, something that, that I've, you know, like most people, I would assume, have played for my entire life, just as long as I've played video games. Um, you know, actually, I don't know if I played a board game or a video game first. Yeah, Did I was you? trying to think about that myself. Yeah, I remember when I was when I was I don't know probably like uh, six seven years old. I was at a, a a gym where my mom was working out, and they had like a daycare that you know the kids go to while the adults are are doing their exercise or whatever. And I remember playing a board game in that, and I remember some other kid being like, "Hey, do you want to go, you know, play basketball or something?" And I was like, "I guess." And he was like, "Well, I mean, you're playing a board game, right?" And so you only play that when you're bored. And I was like, oh, "Wow." I I don't know if I agree with that or not. And yeah, I, I, and I, so I say that to say that like I think that it's interesting to compare board games with video games because um, video games can obviously have so much more kind of bells and whistles, if you will, right? right. <laughs> but some of the experiences that you get out of board games are I, I, it's hard to recreate in a video game. Um, yes. Some of the local couch co-op games like you could you know like i i know i talked about and you and your wife had played as well like overcooked for example that can mm -hmm. be a really fun kind of local group experience but even then you're kind of limited to you know four at the most right i mean that and there are like board games as video games like monopoly yeah. and mario party and stuff but even that like there's something different about physically rolling dice mm. than seeing like a square that cycles through numbers one through six on the screen yeah yeah, and I think there's also I, I I think that there's you know I mean I guess you could get above four if you were doing like a like a Halo land back in the day or something right. you know, or and obviously you know in, in MMOs if you're raiding you're playing with a whole bunch of people but it's not local and yeah it's just I don't know there's just a, a, a dare I use the word intimacy to board gaming that I yeah think no I would agree kind of to it well and there's also a lot more like as as tactile as video games are because your hands are always touching a controller or a mouse or a keyboard or whatever, like you're always connected to them. It, it It's in, for me anyway, it's more like a, it's like a sixth sense sort of connection where you just, the controller becomes your hands. Like you become the character. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in a board game, you're always manipulating some aspect of something, whether that's tokens or tiles or meeples or whatever but you're not always physically connected to it. So I, I guess I feel like there's more of a tactile, like that, like I don't get except for the first time that I launch a new video game where there's the anticipation of like the intro video or the developer, like loading screens or whatever, like that anticipation goes away after the first time. And I'm just like, escape, 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 space, 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 enter, whatever's going to skip this, get me to the game. Right. But in like a board game, there's that setup. Like, you have to pull the box out. You have to pull the usually the board out of it and set that up. And then maybe rules or tokens that have to be placed on the board to set it up. And, like, 
I don't know. There's there's a little. It's not like I'm like giddy about it, but there's a little bit of build up to a board game. Yeah, I don't know. I um, I think it depends. I think it also depends on um, what happens in the game to some extent. I was going to say, but so like, there's a game. Um, <laughs> so there's a guy named Robert Kiyosaki who is a like personal finance self help guru type character. So not <laughs> not right. related to gaming at all. <laughs> not a game dev. <laughs> no. But he has a game that I now, of course, it is escaping my my memory. He his the book that he wrote that he is very famous for is called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um and he has a game that maybe is actually the same name, but I don't think so. Um, but, but but it's kind of like a it's kind of like a monopoly kind of, or life kind of game. It's interesting because you're, you're you're competing with each other, but it's not it's not like monopoly where like I own a property now you land on it and now you have to pay me rent kind of thing. Like you're not extracting resources from one another in that kind of way, right? Um, but basically, it's a game where you're like you're trying to hit a certain, we'll just for, to simplify a certain point threshold in order to, to get out of the, get off the board and, and win effectively. Um, Google suggests you might be thinking about cash flow. That is absolutely correct. Yes. Thank okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> I could have looked it up. Uh, thank you for doing that. No problem. <laughs> but so, but it's actually kind of a fun game and, it, and it's, it's more built as kind of an educational game. It's, it's, kind of the, the idea of it is to try and teach people how to think about money in a, in a different way. Um, and, and, and so it, it, anyway, it's, it's an interesting game. The reason I explain all of it though, is that it, it has a lot of accounting in it because you're, you're constantly dealing with all sorts of financial transactions and that's all well and good, except that if you play with people who suck at arithmetic, it can become tedious to, to manage everything correctly. And if someone gets their, you know, their numbers wrong, kind of skews the whole game pretty dramatically. Right. They can accidentally end up in a spot where they're not supposed to be just because they don't want to tracking it properly. Right. Right. And that could be either advantageous or disadvantageous, right? Either way, it's just not what the outcome was supposed to be. And so the, 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 what the game suggests that you do is that the person to the right of every player is that player's accountant. So you have someone double check the the right. for you, but I mean that slows down. Right playing. now, every turn takes two turns. Yes, and so so I, I say all this to say that that game has a a browser version that you can play, and you can actually play online with people, like it, right through the browser or whatever. And I did actually just enjoy that a lot more, in that I enjoyed the. Well, and see there, I guess that, it, I don't know, that I guess that's what's so interesting to me is that like, it, it certainly takes away the intimacy of playing with a group of people, which is its own brand of fun. Right. But I really enjoyed not having to do any of the counting and not having to worry about other people's math and all of that because it's all automated. Right. I, I Yeah. And I, and I get that. And I think that goes kind of back to when we talked about like what board games do or what video games can do better than video games in some aspects. But I also think that like, have you ever played the version of Monopoly that comes with the credit cards, uh-uh. like the electronic one? So it takes away, like you don't have cash in front of you. Every player mm. just gets a card and the banker is this little device 
And like, so to buy a property, you plug the property in the top and you hit a button, like buy this property. And then the player with their credit card that wants to buy it plugs in and it, it tells you how much money you have. Mm. And then it just automatically deducts it. But it doesn't like, it takes away that visual representation of who's in the lead. Mm. Right. Cause nobody, like, I don't know that you are sitting on $2 over there. Right. Like, even though that that doesn't, there's no tactic that I could use to to manipulate your chance at rolling good or bad when you have two dollars like that doesn't affect my ability to play the game it's still kind of that presence that knowledge like oh boy you know somebody's about to go out like yeah where and i don't know i feel like i feel like an electronic version of monopoly just isn't whether it be the electronic board game version or i definitely would not go out of my way to play monopoly online or buy a monopoly video game because it's just it's monopoly but (laughs) yeah i think that i and and i think it also i think to some extent it probably depends on the nature of the game i think that and cash flow might have just been kind of a bad example it's a good example of 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 that comparison that i was making i guess but it was the difference with it also is that again like you're almost kind of competing against yourself um i mean you are competing against the other players but really like basically you pick a character and and the character that you have has a certain financial situation and they're, you know, more and less complex depending on the character that you are. And so really that's the challenge is overcoming whatever that unique financial situation is more so than trying to defeat the people around you, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas in monopoly, the way you win is by taking everyone else around you's right. Right. So, um, So I think, well, and, and so my point of that is like, I think you're absolutely right about, it's it's almost like playing poker and seeing a big pile of chips. Now, poker is different than Monopoly also. Right, right. Making bets and, you know, trying to manipulate <laughs> people. You're able to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, but, but, but so I don't know. So, so for you, you're saying that you think that the setting up of the board game, and I, I know you said you don't love it, but that's part of almost kind of like the ritual of it. That, yeah, there. That, I think that there's there's a lot of ritualization in board games, and I think that it's interesting because, like, every time you open a box or pick a game, like, it's going to be the same game, right? Which I guess could be said easily for any video game. But I think that the experience of playing is always different whereas like especially in a lot of video games the if i you know start a new game in terraria the first 20 minutes are going to be the same no matter what game of terraria i start the land like the starting zone or area might have a slightly different pattern and the trees will be in a slightly different spot but they're going to be it's going to be the same start to the game whereas like in a board game after the first turn it's it's just like yeah the board state is always set in the same way which you could say a lot of video games are but it's within a minute it's going to be a different experience depending on who you're even if you're playing with the same people or if you're playing with different people or the number of people you're playing with and i also think there's just it's that i think board games fit this perfect in between not all of them of course there'll be expect exceptions on both sides of this but a perfect in between for me between a computer game or a video game that I'm going to get sucked into for an hour plus versus like a mobile game, which is like a five minutes plus. And, and a board game is usually a good board game is usually between 20 and 40 minutes. 
and I and I, I feel like and again, there's 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 grand scale board games. You know, there are risk games that can take days or Monopoly or whatever. But I, I think largely a lot of them strive for that half an hour to an hour sort of area. Yeah, no, I think that that I think you're absolutely right that that is actually the sweet spot for it. Um, I kind of I don't know if I verbally made a noise when you said that. <laughs> I, I made a face. I know. Yeah, <laughs> not because I disagreed with you, uh, but because that that made that resonated with me because so, you know, I grew up playing Risk and thought it was a fun game, right? And then when I was probably twenty, I don't know, somewhere right around twenty twenty one, somewhere there. Um, me and three other buddies drove up to St. Louis to see a tool concert, our very first tool concert, which Thanks. for those listeners who have never heard the walk show, I am like a nearly religious <laughs> fan of tool. <laughs> um, I won't go into that, but, but just know that that's the case. So, so we planned a whole weekend around it though. The tool concert was on a Friday night, but we decided to stay Saturday as well. And, and then drive back home Sunday. So um, we had the hotel for the weekend or whatever. And, and the plan was we'd go to Tool on Friday night. And then Saturday, we were going to go to a casino in the day because none of us had ever been to a casino. So like, we were at least 21 because we could all drink. Um, and then that night, we were going to go out to whatever the, you know, St. Louis bar downtown scene was or whatever, you know, just right. have a good time. So we go to Tool and then, and that was amazing. And then the next morning, uh, we get up, get around go to a casino um which is not my jam i i came to find out at least not slot machines right slot machines complete segue but slot machines i was like i feel like these were made for people who have never seen a video game like this would be compelling (laughs) if i had no idea that there was any other interactive digital media that existed like it's funny because slot machines is about the only thing i will do at a casino really (laughs) yeah oh i i really don't like betting card games and I don't like I, I don't like betting when there's skill involved, I guess, because I just maybe I just don't feel very confident about my ability to play those types of games. I'm also just sure. generally, as we've heard before, yeah, I bet against me and you'll win. <laughs> <laughs> but with slot machines, at least like penny slots or nickel slots or whatever, I can just kind of sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but it's it's not. It's just me versus a computer that's already programmed to to take most of my money anyway. Oh, like. yeah. Um, ah, I hate this slot machine. There's no because you don't <laughs> you don't have any control, and it's like it's got all these you know quote unquote right, graphics. You, you pick it. You pick how many lines you want to lock. You know, uh, there's there's some. It <laughs> I played a really good Wizard of Oz one once. So <laughs> you like stepped through the game. And... <laughs> in Dark Age of Camelot, <clears throat> I taught myself how to play craps because you can roll dice in Dark oh, Age of nice. Camelot. <clears throat> I've never been to a casino since then, but I would like to go to a casino and play craps at some point just because I think that would be funny. But um, anyway, long-winded story. <laughs> segue there. So so we, we go to the casino and... There's four of us. Well, two of the guys that we're with <clears throat> spend literally every dollar to their name and lose it at the casino. Right. Which means now we can't go out downtown that night, which was the plan because they have no zero dollars. Yeah. Right. So me and my other friend that <clears throat> didn't blow all of our money at the casino, which is astonishing. <laughs> um, we... We were like, all right, well, I guess we'll hang out. I mean, we were we already had the hotel room, right. so we're already there. So I guess we'll still stay. 
So we went to Walmart and bought Risk, and we were like, ah, we'll have an epic Risk game. That'll be fun or something. Right. And yeah, that was actually the last time I played Risk, and I actually swore I would never play Risk ever again after that. Oh, uh, really? Because we played for like five hours. I mean, it took wow. four ever well because the way that risk works is that at least and maybe we misinterpreted the rules that's certainly possible <laughs> yeah i mean that happens with Mono anybody who thinks monopoly is a five-hour game is missing or is house ruling either intentionally well, or unintentionally <laughs> well so in risk what was happening the reason it kept taking so long was because every time you got like three cards of the same face like three infantry cards or three cannon cards or whatever you could turn them in and you get an, a certain amount of armies. Right. But that amount of armies just continually escalates. It doesn't cap at like right. 10. And so what was happening was people would be almost out of the game and then they would get a, they would turn in cards and past a point they're getting like 30 armies. Right. You know what I mean? And so then they can just invade an entire continent and it just almost is like a board reset. <laughs> and the well and, and there were so many armies the fights took so long that we stopped saying like we stopped counting for each dice roll how many men each side had right and it would just be like okay you have 10 troops so you 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 attack and then someone else would just keep track with a tally sheet of how many losses you had and you had to stop you know so once you get to, to zero you're done rolling right and, it, and then and then tallies for the defender as well so we could see how they're doing but it just it just really the whole thing was just very tedious um, and it felt very unrewarding. The, the strategy, I always thought that Risk was this like grand strategy game and it just felt, I don't know, just very cheapened the, by that whole experience. So it's funny because I have a two directional way that this is going to go and this is kind of amusing because it, it does tie back to video games. So I I think I've seen I've seen and maybe manipulated a risk board a couple of times prior to actually playing it for real. But my first real game of risk was a digital maybe it was a web version or a very small applet that you could download and my dad and I would play on the computer against other AIs and each other. Um but those games didn't take very long. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm I'm not sure if it was using different rules or whatever. Um, but we would, you know, I remember playing, so like the first real time that I played Risk was as a virtualized game. Um, but my, probably my most fun playing Risk was a video game-ized version of the board game, which was called Risk Legacy. Mm. And I say it's video game-ized because it takes a lot of those things that you aren't supposed to do to a board game and feel like restrictions in a board game. And it just strips them all away. So for those of you that haven't played, there's actually a whole genre of legacy, legacy quote-unquote style games. And they are board games that are meant to be played a certain number of times, usually with the same group of people. Um, and a lot, I, I would say that with a lot of board games, especially if you, if you have like a gaming night or the same group of buddies or something, any board game you play probably is only good for about five or ten times before you're just tired of it, right? Like until you either get a new group of people to play with or it sits on the shelf for a year and you come back to it. And a legacy game leans into that by making the, so like the rule book will have empty spaces in it uh, with just like numbers. It'll say like rules 4.2 go here. And like when you open it up, there's just a ton more content in it, but a lot of pieces, like when you open the box, 
and you pull out the board, there will be booklets and cards and like booster pack type things that say like a big warning label on it, do not open until told. And what happens is like in in Risk Legacy, uh, we set the board up and everybody picks like their nation card, right? And each nation card came with a sticker set that had four rules on it or four like special abilities. Like you get bonus army when you do this or that or whatever, right? But the character or the, the army card, like the cardboard token, only had two slots that you could put stickers in. So the very first thing that anybody does is literally like names that army with a Sharpie. So you're, you're again, it's, it's all about like the destruction and this, the circumvention of board game stuff. So like you're writing on stuff with a Sharpie and making permanent changes. You pick two of the stickers that you want as the rules for your, you know, a, a, a commanding armory or commanding officer or whatever. And then you have to throw the rest away. So at the outset of the game, if four people are playing, four sheets of paper with unused rules go in the trash. Mm. And this carries on throughout the game. And there are there are specific like trigger events that can happen in the game that says, okay, the first time a player is defeated, open, you know, pouch 2.1 or whatever. And new content can get introduced to the game. The board, every time somebody wins, they get to name a city and it, the next time you play the board is has been changed so it's a different board and you know maybe if somebody wins by a certain amount they get to add something to the board like a capital city or whatever that is literally a sticker you pull out and stick to the board and maybe you get to draw lines for you know where it can go or, or change the way the board works and and there's a whole series of games like uh, uh, I know Pandemic has a legacy series. Um, there's a lot of games that are, that are kind of set up this way where it almost has not necessarily an AI, but kind of like unlockable content that keeps the game fresh and keeps it changing and can happen in the middle of a game. There can be an event that, you know, OK, well, four nukes were used in one game, so open up event pack, you know, 12 and it brings a new army to the game and some, you know, space aliens attack or whatever. And, and you just it, so it's really interesting to where, like, everybody knows that if four nukes are used, we open a pack. But it's also like is that it's not always a good pack. Like mm -hmm. maybe it, an entire country becomes uninhabitable and armies that move through it, like lose one army because it's radioactive or whatever. And and so it's just really interesting, like legacy games have permanent board game state changes and can essentially be like won or lost. And then once you're done playing them, it's, it's, they're a little bit more expensive than a standard board game, but I think it's worth the cost because especially if you have a dedicated group of friends that play a weekly board game at night or something, playing it for four or six times, will you'll see most of the content of the game, if not all of it. And that's probably all the, the amount that you would want to play it anyway. But that's my that's my big risk story is that we right. played through most of Risk Legacy, uh, saw most of the content before that group of friends. I think I think there was a boyfriend and girlfriend thing that they broke up and then we stopped mm -hmm. playing or something and we tried to bring in somebody else. But then it is harder to bring somebody else into a legacy game because you're halfway through a bunch of rules, additions, and deletions. Like you may tear pages out of the rule book and it's just, it feels wrong. It feels like 
I don't know. Some people like to highlight books or dog ear pages, but like using a Sharpie on a board game just feels like sacrilege, but it's also kind of fun because, mm-hmm. you know, you're not yeah, supposed yeah. to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, you know, I don't think that, you know, when I was talking about the, my risk experience, I, I talked about how long it took and, and that was part of it. But honestly, it was almost more that the game just felt like it was, it was kind of like playing like a, like a, a manual or analog version of like a clicker or something. Like, right. Cause there was just like so much of the combat was left up to just dice rolls. And mm-hmm. so you had these ridiculous outcomes where, you know, a defender wins but there's not any strategy to overcome that, nor did they do, execute any strategy to really secure that outcome. Right. The dice rolls just went that way. And it's like, eh, for a strategy game, I mean, that's that's something that, that I've always kind of struggled with to take it back to video games a little bit with like the XCOM series. Like XCOM is so cool in so many ways. And I'm not hating on XCOM at all. I love it. I'm glad it exists. I own both of them, you know, bought them when they came out. Um, totally support XCOM. But when I'm standing point blank in front of an alien and I have a 95% chance to hit with my shotgun and I miss, it feels a little brutal. You know a, what I mean? A high-trained shoulder soldier against the slowest alien should not have a 94. It should be 100%. You are point blank with a shotgun and you're a soldier and they're the weakest alien. They're right. not, and I think it's, I think it's more punishing because the animation sets there's only so many so they just like kind of half dodge like two inches to the left and make this like four frame animation where they're like meh and it's miss like no you can't you would have to jump out of the way into the next square for that to miss (laughs) yes yes um and and, i mean to be clear not that i don't that i don't like chance rng and dice rolls and i do um but i think in a game that's supposed to be strategy or tactics or whatever like Mm -hmm. like if if chess was decided by like well you have to arrange the moves but then you have to roll to see if you get checkmate and if you don't then you know reset the board like (laughs) i'm not playing i'm not playing this um well and and so i say that because so the, the the next big board game experience that i really had that was probably the most time i've spent with a board game um with a single one at least was was the so Game of Thrones obviously became the most popular television show in history or whatever it is. Um, but it, I had read the books before the shows had come out and they had a board game series that we found at like one of the local, like uh, it was called like Dragon's Den. I don't know what to oh, call okay. it. Like yeah, a yeah. metagame, like a, a brick shop. and mortar gaming store non-video gaming correct correct (laughs) where they sell like magic cards and they have tournaments and that kind of stuff right so they had a game of thrones board game that actually had two expansions for it uh we bought all of it and yeah took it home and played it and and it was it was an interesting experience because the game supported up to six people and we had we had anywhere from every week we had five or six that were consistent nice um and and I don't know, I guess I don't know that it was every week necessarily, but every Very time. Consistently. Played, yeah, yeah, correct. A couple times a month at minimum. The problem was, uh, and, and actually before I get into the problem, the game, so the, the game was a, was a really interesting and, and fun game. It's got, a, it's got a lot of nuance and complexity to it. And the battles are resolved. Not There's no dice roll whatsoever involved in the battles. Oh, wow. Now, 
So like if 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 I'm an, if you and I are adjacent, I'm going to attack you, and I have three armies and you have two, I just win that fight, right? Wow. Just yep. period. But there are other modifiers that can be played that can that, that change those numbers, right? So there's like one player at any given time gets to have the sword token, and that sword a- acts as one army strength that they can use in one battle per turn. Right. So now maybe you have the sword. Well, now you just made it 3-3. Three, three. Well, because you're the defender, the defender can't lose on a tie. So now since you had that sword made it 3-3, three, three, now you've actually won that fight. Right? right. So if I'm thinking about attacking you and I only have a one army advantage and I know you have the sword, I can't really risk attacking you because... I don't have the numbers. But you could force a situation where you could attack like two different areas of that player because they ha- they can only use the sword once. So you force right. them like you're going to lose one of these. Pick which one you're going to lose. Correct. And and you can do stuff where you could play tokens. Like there were these different tokens where you could like they were called support tokens, but where basically you could you could make it so that adjacent territories like, let's say I had a couple of territories that were adjacent to the one that I was attacking from. Well, if I had played support tokens in them, any armies in those now count towards my uh-huh. army. So there there becomes a lot of, in my opinion at least, kind of strategy and math <laughs> that you're doing, but it's all final. You know what I mean? Right. Again, there's a dice roll. There is no, it's just if I figured out a, a tactic or a strategy to execute a win, it is what it is. You know what right. I mean? Now, a lot of the interest in that game and intrigue comes from the alliances and the politics of it, which I thought was really cool because that's really kind of the crux of the Game of Thrones series. The show and the books is is really all of the politics. That, right. That's why everyone's intrigued by it. And I thought that as a game, it did a really, really good job of capturing that because there are no rules for what negotiations you can have. <laughs> right? Right. So you can... Yeah. And so... um. So you can get some pretty complicated <laughs> worked out, <clears throat> and um, and yeah, it was it was a really fun thing. And, and and again, we had the same you know largely the same people. The problem is is that you know like I said, we had five or six. Well, I would say four of us were consistent every single time, right? And then the other people that made up the five, the fifth of the six, most of the time had played at least half the times with us, so they knew how to play. But what what started happening towards the end when we wound down was that fifth or sixth person started being a brand new person. Mm. And the problem is, is that the game has so much complexity and nuance to it that it's hard to, to, frankly, to understand the rules correctly the first time you've played. Right. And so what ends up happening is it, it ends up when you have a brand new person, it's really not fun for anyone because for, for me, the vet, I'm going to dominate them, but it's not because I'm so much smarter or better. Well, it's, player. it also becomes a real raw skill and it's not chance. There's no chance. So there's no yes. random element that can help a first time player eke out a win. Correct. And so, and the other th- problem is, so the game is only 10 turns. Now each turn has three phases. So you could maybe say it's 30 turns, second, but whatever. Right. It, so it's also a predetermined, set of not time but you know again turns as opposed to like monopoly or risk there is no turn limit right right? there is no it's just you play until some other conclusion is met um so the other problem is is that because it's a limited amount of turns well a new player might devise a strategy that they think they're going to try and use 
and then but it really isn't going to come to fruition in turn until turn seven and then they get to turn seven and they're like and now i do this attack and it's like yeah that actually doesn't work that way like you misunderstood how this and this works right so you can do the attack but you lose so you wouldn't want to do that attack and, and that's now just enough yeah that's just the whole crux of their their plan yeah. is you know miffed by one you know rule at the bottom of a card and they can't right. bounce back from that exactly because now it's turn seven there's only three turns left there's not enough time for them to devise a new strategy and they couldn't really have asked anyone ahead of time if what they wanted to do would work because it would have revealed to everyone what they were trying to do well and that makes it very easy to just like okay well i walk away now because like there's 30 minutes of gameplay left but there's no feasible way for me to win yes exactly exactly um and the other thing is is that the game took a really long time to set up it took legitimately about 30 minutes to an hour to get everything all set up and this was after we had done it many times you know what I right mean? um so it took a long time to set up and yeah it just got to a point where it felt it, new people weren't having fun because they just got dominated so it felt like a waste of their three hours because it took a long time to play these games um and for the vets it actually wasn't really fun beating the new people because you felt I felt like I'm taking advantage of them and I feel like I'm wasting their three hours, but I don't know how to teach them other than to just play. Right. You just have to understand the game. Right. Now, one other thing that we did was we didn't limit the amount of time that turns took. So what would end up happening is it would be someone's turn. I mean, I was probably the most guilty of this and I would be like, all right, let's get up and, Go outside and have a conversation. <laughs> right. Or... Politics be time. Right. And so then there's just an enormous amount of time doing negotiations and you want to do it away from the groups. So you can make secret deals. Right. Great people without them knowing. And <laughs> maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> you find out that you're the only person that was walking away from the table every turn. <laughs> I also won the most. So, <laughs> um, but I don't know. So it was kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it was it was far and away the most fun I've ever had with a board game. And it was a really cool it was a really cool experience and it felt unique in like, I don't know, it, it felt like our own little little slice of thing because Game of Thrones at that point wasn't some massively popular right. thing. You know what I mean? So it was like, wow, this is cool that we found our own little niche thing that we're all fans of and that we all enjoy. And, you know, because the game is themed, obviously, after the book. So it's all the same characters and right. the map from the books and, and all of that. So it was super neat. Um, but then it also kind of ultimately left like a sour taste where it was like the competitiveness of it made it made it really difficult to introduce new players to and the complexity of it. But that was almost kind of what it, like made it interesting and fun. Yeah. In the first place, kind of endeared us to it, you know, um, and 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 it just the amount of time that it took. I mean, it got to a point, too, where it was like. I mean, we can play, but we have to have six hours set aside. <laughs> so we've got to get there. We've got to set it up. We've right. got to play. You know, we've got to pick it back up before we leave. And I, you know what I mean? It just, it just took a long time. Um, I think it's so. I think it's interesting that you bring this up because I, I think there is a a distinction that should be made that I think a lot of people maybe just don't think about or don't like. Whenever you say it, it depending on the, the 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 type of person, I guess, but. A lot of times when you say board games, I think a lot of people jump to 
uh, Sorry, Monopoly, Battleship, Milton Bradley, you know, like games that you could find at any big box store. Um, but the, the, I would say far and away, the bulk of board games are things that you can only find at like these brick and mortar type stores. And I think that like, like Barnes and Noble and Borders and, and more bookstore type places that would have a board game section started including some of the more popular like game of the year type stuff from board games. So, so there were more games that started kind of getting introduced to the general public but like you go into a, a real brick and mortar store that that handles board games and there's just hundreds and they're all very unique they all have you know interesting mechanics and i think that people think that it's just you know rolling two dice and moving a token around the board is all board games and that's that's just not how it is yeah like no, I, you're correct yeah and to kind of to kind of piggyback on the whole politics and alliances um i laughed there for a second because uh you and i played a game that i i had played multiple times before i think you had heard of and uh we played with a, a group of probably about six people and that was uh betrayal of the house on haunted hill and that game is a very interesting game because the board is revealed as you play so it's kind of built as you play every turn if you move into a space that's unoccupied that they'll just so there'll be like these little tiles and you flip a couple tiles out to start the game and then they'll have doorways but there's no tile there so if you move through a doorway you draw tiles from the stack until there's one listed as like it's a three-story mansion so you it'll say like first floor second floor basement or any and so you keep pulling tiles off the top until you get one that you could fit there and you flip it over and that becomes the room that's there. So it's kind of like this house that every time you explore it, it's different. Yeah, it's like it's it's actually a very fascinating way of basically creating a procedurally generated map in a physical analog game. Exactly. <laughs> it's really I was really impressed. And and a lot of the room tiles will have different events or things that can happen on them that cause you to draw cards or make skill rolls or something. Everybody gets kind of a sort of RPG hero that has a couple of like physical stats and mental stats and those can affect different roles in the game it's really interesting because in the beginning of the game everybody's kind of on the same team you're it's kind of a scooby-doo you find a mansion you go explore it but what happens is there are a, there's like three different main event cards and they can trigger hundreds of different scenarios and what happens is at some point during the game you will end up triggering a scenario by drawing a certain number of like bad voodoo cards right and it depending on who drew the card what items they have what room they were in when they drew it what character they were playing you know all kinds of different you know variables there's like two rule books where suddenly the game becomes different and it may become like one person could end up being quote unquote the betrayer and they mutate into a horrific monster or they were the bad guy all along and now command an army of werewolves or like it, or everybody can end up fighting over one thing which is kind of one of the games happened to us where that happened mm -hmm. and we we triggered it ridiculously early 
like every single room we opened was one of the like because there's a chance that every time you pull one of these voodoo cards you have to roll dice and if you roll lower than the number of cards that are played it triggers the event well i think we got like two or maybe four rooms in and triggered the event and the house like like some giant raven came and lifted the house off the ground and there were two parachutes but four characters and the goal was everybody there was no good or bad guy it's just get out of the house with a parachute and you survive and at that point it was like alliances were made people were vying for like if you attack him i'll take like i'll give you a parachute or whatever and i'd like i'd like to call a timeout real quick and interject (laughs) into this story so the way that that was just framed and positioned was that there was this variety of people and alliances and, and conversations that were had. Two people, <laughs> two people had one conversation where they said, let's be on a team and F everybody else over. And that was the extent of the alliance conversation outside of me, who was not one of those two people, shouting, you cheating, and then insert curse words. Expletive line. <laughs> Correct. Um, so I just wanted to make sure we all understand that Brett was one of these two people, which is why he's framing it in this very euphemistic, <laughs> very, very friendly manner. And I would like to point out that that is not how it went down. The way it went down was two people had one conversation and the rest of us suffered as a result. To be no fair, one, no one. I shouldn't have made that decision um, because it was not in my best interest because I already had a parachute. And I didn't even do the thing that I would have needed to do to make that alliance work, which was attack one of the other players. I did everything wrong and ended up dying very quickly. I could have told you, if if I would have known that that was on the table, I could have told you up front that the person that you made that alliance with is not the person that you make an alliance (laughs) with. I could have told you that. You are a transaction to that individual. You are not an ally. That's fair. Dollar sign. So but, he's not here right now. If he was, I'd say it to his face. Anyway, all, go all, all of that is to say it's a it's an it's a really unique board game that literally is different every time because you don't know who the good guy is or the bad guy or if you're all going to be on the same like if it's going to be you versus the board because um, there are some kind of AI scenarios where monster tokens will spawn everywhere and always move towards the nearest player or something right and it's just. It's such a fascinating game that it has its quirks and it has some difficult spots because when there is a clear good guy, bad guy, there's a clear, this is how the good guys win. This is how the bad guys win, but only the bad guy knows their winning scenario and only the good guys know their winning scenario. So there can be some situations where the good guys have rules that work for them that the bad guy doesn't know about and same on the other side. But it can come that that comes is a lot of trust in like you read and understood your rules correctly. So when you're saying you can do this, you better be able to do it mm-hmm. because other and, and they're not always the clearest. I would say the more recent versions have gotten a lot better. There's kind of a version two or a re-release where they've cleaned a lot of that up. I played 10 years ago uh, when it was kind of on release sort of place and, and it there were some rough situations where, you know, one person would win and we're like, okay, fine. You know, that, that player won or that group won. let's look at the rules. And it's like, Oh my God, this was, no, you did all of this wrong. You didn't understand what you're doing at all. You should have lost, but it's too late now, whatever. Yeah. So, so we played that night and then a few nights later um, we, I had another couple of friends come over and, and we played again 
and we got into one of the scenarios where one person was the betrayer and everyone else was against them. So we, we went in separate rooms and read our rules or whatever to figure out, you know, what, what we wanted our strategy to be. But I was not confident after having experienced it that that one person knew what they were doing, really. Not because that person is incompetent in any way, just because it can be kind of complicated. Yeah, it can get and very so, complex. Yeah, and so what I what I did was I was like, all right, look, we already determined what our strategy is going to be. So now I'm going to ask you to share with us what you think it is that you are supposed to be doing so we can make sure that it, that, that it makes sense. Right but we're not going to change our strategy now based on whatever you tell us. So if, if you, if you reveal something to us that you weren't supposed to, that's like your Achilles heel, we're not now going to exploit that because we didn't know that before. Right. And it just, you know, it took a little, I mean, there's nothing on it. It's not like we're gambling on the game or something. So there's no incentive to be shady about it. Or yeah. Something, you have you know to, I mean? it has to be played. Like it's, it's a competitive game and it's at some point it becomes competitive. It's mm-hmm. a co-op game that becomes competitive, but you have to have players that are not like if you have the sore loser or the sore winner, probably the sore winner is worse. Mm-hmm. That is going to be like, I have to win no matter what. And I will ruin everyone's game to make sure that I'm a winner. Don't play this game with them. Cause you yeah. have to just, it's a lot closer to a role-playing game where you have to kind of trust everybody is like, we can talk in the meta, but that won't affect our characters. Like our characters right. aren't going to know the information we know. Yeah. And as long as you have a group of people that is open-minded about like, this is just to have fun. We don't care if everybody wins, lose or dies. We're still all going to have out and have a beer afterwards and laugh about it. Like if that's your group of people, then this game is amazing. Mostly because there are those situations where it's like, what, what rule set are we playing? We do have to talk this out. Right. You know, I, I mean, I, I was blown away by it. I think it's far and away one of the most impressive games I've, I've played because it solved the problem that I had with Game of Thrones, which is that it's so hard to introduce someone new. Right. Because they're just not going to be able to compete. And that's not exclusive to get the Game of Thrones board game. I mean, if if, if we were going to play Halo and someone comes over that's never played Halo, even if they're a gamer, they're just going to suck until we, you know, until they right. practice. So. So it's, again, it's not a unique to, to board games problem, but I thought that that game uh, did such an awesome job of, of finding a creative solution to that because exactly what you said, it, well, A, because of the way the map is built, literally nothing is the same every time other than the player characters, I guess. Are technically <laughs> but even that, each character, each token has a two-sided game card that they can be one of two different types of characters. Right, yep, that's true. But it, it also um, solves a, like, the game is almost never boring because so on the one hand even if you get the same scenario twice in a row which is incredibly unlikely it takes so many things to get a scenario and there's like i don't know the exact number but there's like a couple hundred scenarios that can play out i think there's expansions for it too yeah and so even if you got the same scenario twice which is incredibly unlikely and you have to play a ridiculous number of games because of how many random elements go into choosing a scenario the house would be set up different you, it's almost yeah. impossible to get the same scenario on the same board layout with the same group of people. You're just ne- there's it's a one in millions of chances, mm-hmm. and so there's just t- like because there's a lot of tokens and stuff that come with the game, and most of them are even two sided. Like on one side it may say rat, and on the other side it'll say goo or something, you know. Yeah. 
and and there are games where the bad guy gets i think we played one where it was like a pied piper scenario where they had tons of rats that they got to move around and we were all fighting Mm -hmm. them and but then in the next game we're fighting for parachutes like it's just there's so many some of us were were making alliances and stealing parachutes but you know yeah but you're right anyway yeah i'm pretty sure we all still lost so (laughs) I would I would actually just like to say though that because I'm not manufacturing this <laughs> disdain. <laughs> this is this is why board games this is why we had to talk about them and this is why this is why they 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 can tie in with video games at least in at least in some of the experiences they offer because this was over 2 months ago that we played Yeah, you know I mean? it wasn't like it was last week and yet like I still have this emotional tie to experience that we had because it was a very engaging fun thing oh yeah that that i've gotten playing game video games as well um but yeah board games can be a fun way to kind of access that too so anyway i just no for sure i think funny no i think it is a very important thing to state that there and i think that it happens more in some of the more unique games too where Mm. it's just some it's something that you're nobody may be used to playing or 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 something and and some of them can be if you play it with the same group of people like there are even games that have a lot of random chance but a lot of strategy like have you ever played carcassonne with um the tiny square tiles and the meeples i what's so what's weird is that the only time i've ever played it was on the xbox 360 xbox arcade i did not know there was a video game version of it but that makes sense probably 2008 and i was like oh that looks kind of cool and then i didn't play it for very long because i didn't know anyone else that was playing you right know I mean? but i played an ai or something so i i always compare it to Catan, but i think they're very different they are, i i've had the same trouble like i don't like playing Catan very much but it does kind of there are pieces that kind of compare between Catan and and carcassonne but carcassonne is a game that has a lot of random chance and yet still has enough high strategy to it that introducing a new player can be difficult mm. because there's just things that are going to score better than others. And there's kind of ways to, you can, you can try to play the board to your ability. Whereas a new player just doesn't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like the game a lot. There's a ton of expansions for it. Um, I actually don't own it because so many of my other friends own it with various sets of expansions mm. that I always it's always on the table if I want to play it. So, right, yeah. No, I think, um, I, yeah, I think that, like I said, I think the board game experience can be can be pretty awesome. And you and I, so I mean, I don't know if this is kind of a, almost a hybrid. I mean, I guess it technically is just a, a mobile game. Uh, I know there is a <clears throat> physical version of it that you also own, mm-hmm. um, but it's a game that we played with some coworkers years ago now on our phones, you, you link your phones together via Bluetooth and it's this game called space team where you're basically all trying to like maintain a spaceship as you, you know, go on some journey. Or kind something. of like a real time FTL where you're just trying to escape yeah. bad guy, but it's, it's all happening simultaneously. Right. Right. And like, and like, you know, me, for example, I might have four different gadgets that I'm responsible for. And then Brett on his phone has another set of, four totally different gadgets right. on his phone. Like every person is an engineer on the spaceship. Right. It, it's it's kind of like the the Star Trek thing where like everyone's got their station that they're responsible for and their station has again, you know, dials and switches or... and and levers right. and they're all named and labeled, but they're all ridiculous made up like 
it just says squiddly spooch with one through four that you can slide a slider on. Right. And so then on everyone's screen constantly, it's popping up these different things that need to be addressed. Like, oh, the goobly gork needs to be fixed. Well, I look at, I get that command on my phone, but I don't have the goobly gork switch, so I can't fix it. So then I have to call out to the group, the goobly gork needs to be fixed. And then whoever has that has to identify it and correct that on their phone. And since their phones are all linked via Bluetooth, it, you know, it keeps it all in sync. And if that happens, you win and, you know, keep going and more and more commands. Are but really, it, really... it ends up being everyone shouting random commands and made up yeah. words at everyone else. And there's, as you get into the harder levels, your boards can like fall apart or get electrical fires. So you have to like rub them to remove stuff so you can see again. So mm-hmm. you're like constantly managing your own board and trying to get, and like each thing that comes up that needs addressed ends up with a timer too so yes. like a timer bar will decrease so you're like fix the squiddly spooch fix no somebody needs to set the flea board to four do it do it now whoever has the flea board like you know right. and and so you're trying to <laughs> all work together but you know if it's been addressed or not because the command is still on your screen <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, and you, and you're the only one that has a sense of urgency of like it literally expires in two more seconds. Uh-huh. Please, someone respond to me. Um, <laughs> and then, oh wait, it, I have the flea borb. Crap. <laughs> right, yeah, the whole time it's been me. I just didn't realize because yeah, sometimes it will actually be your own device that you can mm-hmm. set or fix or correct or whatever. But you just never know. And, and like I said, it, it's almost unfair to say that that's a board game, but it. it it taps into the same feeling that I get playing board games. I think it has that same level of intimacy where like even outside of a couch co-op game, because there's some couch co-op games end up playing like that, where people are like, like overcooked where people are yelling, like I need onions. I need onions. So is chopping onions. Okay. You're doing that. Like, but not always. And space team, like you just have to, like, that's how the game is played, is everybody is yelling and screaming at each other. Yeah, Space Team, like, if you're going to play that, it, if if your friendship survive playing Space Team, which, to be clear, a round of Space <laughs> Team takes, like, three minutes. Right. But if you're not legitimately upset with each other after that, then you're you're, you're pretty, you're in good shape with those. I think it does a good... Really to get mad. Right, <laughs> I think it does a good job. Like, so the, each level is, like, a minute or three long, but it'll get progressively harder to the point where, like, instead of your tiles being labeled with made up words, they're labeled with arcane symbols or like a picture of a burger and fries. Right. So you like, whoever has the symbol that looks like a, a cup with the, the, the leaning tower in it, like it's the martini glass needs to be set to four. Like, mm. and, but at the end of all of that, like, even if you get very far, I think the farthest we made, it was like nine or 12 or something like that. That's still like 10, 15 minutes. But I think it does a good job at the end of trying to repair those friendships by giving everybody random, not necessarily random, but awards. Ah. So you get like a credit screen almost whenever you die. And it'll say like uh, most in charge was the person who's the most of their commands people did quickly. And it'll label that player. And like it'd be like loudest player and, you know, most frantic or and some of them are made up awards. I don't know what they're tied to. It's been a while since I've seen one, but it it does a good job of like awarding everybody on the team a role at the end, like kind of what mm-hmm. they did well. You know, it's it's definitely uh, definitely a good time. Um, so 
to actually kind of directly tie this back to video games and the kind of a, a meld of video games and board games. I don't, I don't own this, but I don't know if you do. Do you own Tabletop Simulator on Steam? Yes. So what? can you please explain <laughs> that? I've seen it for years. And I I mean, I can read words, so I, right. I kind of know what it is, but I, I don't really. I'm kind of like, I don't get it. It's what... really interesting. And in fact, I, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I want to play it in VR. Um, which mm. is which is also ridiculous <laughs> because I can just go to a friend's house. <laughs> Instead, let's get everyone together, put VR headsets or, on, and, and then virtualize and then... a table. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it could be on a beach or something, though, where you right, don't. Live yeah. Uh, um, it, no, it's actually really interesting because it, it, you can play like any board game and it just has it has a physics engine like it's a not a, a simple it's a fairly robust physics engine um but it also has a lot of card game and board game mechanics just kind of built into the commands that you can use and then you can play there are essentially anybody can upload a like i guess it's quote unquote a mod but add their board game to it and you can buy legit board games or you can games that people have made um, or demos of games, like if you're unsure if you want to buy the board game version, or just a way that if you have friends in other states that you want to play board games with, and you don't get to sit down and have that board game night, well, a Discord chat and, and Tabletop Simulator can give you that. But mm. it allows you, and, and it also does some some nice things, I guess, that may reduce the intimacy, but also reduce the annoyance, especially in a virtual space. Like you don't have to physically open up the box and set the board up. You can just right click and say, start new board game. And it'll just brrr, shuffle all right. the decks of cards and put them in the right places, assign everybody the right amount of starting cash or whatever, and then put all the tokens on the table and everybody can still like click and grab their tokens. And they have little physics where they kind of float around and whatnot. You can flip the table which just launches the table into the sky and knocks all the board game pieces everywhere. Um, you can mess up the board by like move. You can shake things and, and screw it up because it has physics, but you can also like right click a deck of cards and say, deal one to everyone or take two or whatever the game kind of lets you do. Mm. You can do that and, and play through. Uh, I think the first time that I saw it really being utilized was when uh, secret Hitler first came out. And I think I, I watched the co-optional podcast people, uh, rest in peace, Total Biscuit, play a round of Secret Hitler. And I think that it was it was just really cool because you can pass cards to each other. You could put cards in pouches. And, and it, all of it's fairly – like once you have played a little bit of Tabletop Simulator, you start to understand how it works. It actually is fairly seamless for like – flipping cards over or showing other players or passing things left or right and like you can look around the room it's a 3d space you can see where the other players tokens are and stuff like that i think it's a really i mean you could play chess and checkers there's some built-in kind of universal mm -hmm. games for it or poker or whatever um you can also just I, I think one of the first things i did was upload my own card backs to a deck of, and actually like a, a just a, a deck of cards for a game that i had made up in Dungeons and Dragons, oh. and then we took. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So this was like, this was like your own like mini Hearthstone, kind of, like... yeah, a little bit. It was <laughs> okay. so yeah, okay. it, was, it was a much simpler game. And I think I, I, I took that. I, get that. I took the rules from there are like quote unquote D and D board games that people can play at an inn or whatever that are usually very simplified versions of 
it's poker, but you just roll two dice and those are your car or whatever. Right. Um, so I found one of them, but I went into and, 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 you know, did some, a little bit of graphics work and made some cards up to, to match it. And then, cause we played, I played D and D via discord with the group of friends that I was with, cause they were in various States. Um, but they all used to live in the same area and we used to hang out and play D and D. So we were like, Hey, let's play D and D hooked up online. And then I was like, well, this could be a fun little way to introduce one of the new characters that was coming in, um, who, who joined us to play was like this kind of a gambit esque character, like, like a card, you know, aficionado and kind of a thief and a rogue. So they would do a lot of sleight of hand and stuff. And, and they were introduced in like a casino. So I made a map for the casino, but I also made this tabletop simulator game where the, the players all got to sat, sit down and play several rounds of this game. But instead of just rolling dice and, you know, picking some things, there were some actual cards and tokens and some betting involved that, mm. that could be played out in tabletop simulator. It was really fun. It, you know, we didn't spend too long doing it, but it was a really cool experience to have that additional level of immersion in, in something Does like everyone that. have to have tabletop simulator to play yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But it's not that expensive. And it's it's one of those things where I actually avoided I was gifted it. Uh like many of the games that I own in Steam, I just refuse to buy anything. <laughs> but I was gifted it from another friend who was like, seriously, we need to just do this. You've been talking about it forever. Let's just do it. And it's not that expensive though. It's like twenty bucks. And you can literally plug anything into it. Um, or pick up modules from anybody else. They, and a lot of them are free or a couple of bucks. And it's just a really fun way to to play board games, especially when distance is an issue. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it, it's not as intimate as sitting around a table with those actual people, but it's as close as you're going to get to get the same experience. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, if you, you know, if you've, especially, especially if you can get people you know, with mics and headsets and, and, and really if everyone has webcams and you can actually be in some right. Skype or something, or I, I don't know if discord, you can all do video chat. I don't know if it supports that or not in that way, but for multiple people like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could really get, uh, again, it's not going to be quite the same as being there in person, but it'd be pretty, it's real close. pretty, pretty close. Yeah. yeah. And maybe to your point, like, <laughs> maybe even worth it to not have to worry about doing all the setup and doing all the, I don't know, I guess to your point though, like for you, that's almost some of it. It's, it's, there is some thought. ritual. I think that that, I think the ritual makes sense when people are there. Right. Right. But if, if the people aren't there, then the ritual is just tedious because everybody's yeah. just waiting on like, just click and drag the things over. Like that's not fun. But actually, and especially if it's a new game, like opening up the box and punching out all the cards for the first time or whatever, it's just, I don't know, there's something about that tactile element that kind of adds to the bonding of like, I guess I I never really feel like I'm imprinting on a video game, but I feel like if I'm the first person that I I punch those tokens out, that's just always going to be the way it is. You know, like Mm. I was there when those, when that box was opened. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I I don't think I have assigned as much to that, but I also have had that experience way more infrequently because the only, I mean, we, we played those Game of Thrones games, and then honestly, the 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 other the the only two games since then that I bought were the Betrayal game that we were talking about earlier, and then another one called Mysterium that, that we also played. Um, what's so 
to kind of go in a, an opposite direction about the kind of games that we've been talking about, I would also mention though that you know, uh, so my mom is someone who she said her entire life that she does not like video games. Um, however, she now plays a lot of mobile games, but they're not. I mean, she's not playing, you know, uh, Bloons Tower Defense or right. something. So they're not the same mobile games that you and I play, but they're mobile games, so they're video games, right? right? And, I'm, and in my opinion, they're bad ones. And I'm like, <laughs> will you please just listen to me? I can help you find better experiences. Anyway, so her and I do not bond over video games at all. However, lately her and I have started playing Backgammon, which is a really old uh-huh. game. I don't know what to say. It's in the vein of. It's not like chess or checkers or anything, but it's It's similar. Like it's, it's like... It is. It's a, it's a kind of. It's more strategy than checkers, less than chess, and with a oh, little right. bit of gambling. Yes, yes, and the gambling. If you, depending on how much you're willing to lean into that, that actually can. That's actually how the game like really kind of right becomes more complicated. Um, but yeah, like I've been surprised at how much I've enjoyed enjoyed playing that, and that's something that we now. I mean, she actually just keeps it in her car, so anytime. If she's not about running errands and decides to stop by, we can just play a quick game. You know what I mean? And, um, and also, and it's I, a, it's, I, I mean, me personally, it's great because a good backgammon set, like I have a nice backgammon set, usually comes in like a leather suitcase sort of thing. Yeah. With like metal clasps on it. And what other what other board game doesn't come in a cardboard box? Right. Like right. it really is meant to be a travel game that you pick up and take to a park or like the layout of where everything is held is like velvet and leather interiors with little satchels that keep things from rattling around. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's meant to be carried and set down somewhere and opened up. And I think that that's just a really unique aspect of it. Like even a mobile chess game, like uh, usually they're glass chess games or whatever and the styrofoam imprints of everything it's still really hard to get everything out and noisy and annoying Mm -hmm. um and a magnetic chess game is just a nightmare of pieces that all slide to one side but (laughs) backgammon is just really nice and the fact that it's just it's meant to be taken around somewhere Mm -hmm. and and while there is strategy and tactic to it there is also a healthy amount of dice rolling and rng and um and and while you are playing against your opponent, and so you you can do certain things to try and you know take advantage of them or whatever, there's there's also a, a lot of the game is you just kind of playing against your yourself and your own roles or your own board position. Or it's whatever. kind of a it's like checkers meets Parcheesi because yeah. you are kind of <laughs> racing around the board, so you're just racing mm-hmm. your own roles, and there is some sorry elements of knocking opponents' pieces back to start and having mm-hmm. to roll to get them into the game. But it's also a much shorter game in that the board is uh, half the size or a quarter the size of a Parcheesi board and the number of moves you have to make. You just have a ton more tokens. Yeah, well, and, and like when you introduce the gambling, the, what that ends up doing is it, it creates a, a scenario where a person can basically be like, like you either quit now or it's going to be double the right. point value of, of, of the loss. But what that actually helps to do is, I mean, maybe it a makes it more interesting because there's more higher stakes if, if the player decides to stay in. But it also makes it so that if one player has a very clear advantage, the game's just over. You can just call it and be like, "Cool, let's just reset the board, get on to the next game." Right. To 
this larger meta game of the gamble that's going on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I I I I never talk about my relationship with my mom at all on this podcast because, again, she's anti gaming. I, I and I'm in my 30s now, so I get it that the the gift exchanging of Christmas and birthday does not work <laughs> as, a, as a child, nor do I expect it to. But I asked for a video game, something video game related for her for my entire childhood, right? And was laughed at. <laughs> single time every time she'd be like i would never get you are you kidding me come on now my dad luckily was a huge gamer and so he he filled that void um and got the consoles and bought the games and and stuff like that and now she would take me to rent games at like the video store so i could do that she didn't she wasn't denying me access to it she just does not get to it in that that level yeah but but her and I have bonded a lot, especially lately over over the board game again, backgammon. So it's uh, yeah, it's just I think that I, I guess my thought is just that like again with board games being adjacent to video games in so many ways, I think that that's something that they offer that's interesting is maybe a way to to have the fun gaming bonding experience with somebody who's not comfortable with an Xbox controller right. or a keyboard. Well, and there, there is a lot of truth to that, where, like, I, I've known a couple of people who like games and aren't, like, against gaming, but just didn't grow up with them and really aren't comfortable with, with a t- twin-stick controller. Or uh, I've known... Uh, I have somebody very close to me who is uh, both left-handed and dyslexic and does not work with twin-stick controllers. It just... Southpaw configuration doesn't matter. It just does not. And they didn't grow up with it. That's not. So I'm sure they could overcome that. I'm not saying that they're like disabled, but it is right. a challenge to jump in in your 30s having never used an SNES or very rarely using controllers to suddenly have the number of buttons on a, an Xbox or PlayStation controller is just a lot to grok all at once. Whereas everybody knows how to pass cards and roll dice. Like that's yeah, not a or, skill that you really. Once you learn the concept, you get it. Yeah, well, and even outside of the twin stick thing, I mean, just I mean, even if even if it was a two D platformer where the left stick is the only one that's really used to move, right? There's still just like what fifteen or sixteen buttons or right. something on a modern controller, and then if you get into a, a PC game where it's keyboard and mouse driven. For us, it seems second nature, but to move with WASD, if you're not used it's to like, that... It's like, what is, is this? There are arrow keys over there. Why don't you just use those? <laughs> we all did that until like 1999. So <laughs> you're not wrong for assuming the arrow keys, because we all did too. And we all st- used to shoot with left control. <laughs> times have changed. <laughs> times have changed. Because we didn't used to need to mouse, mouse aim, because there was no up and down. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> well and, but, and, uh, and the, even even if the controls are simple a lot of the moves you need to execute in a video game can get progressively harder because that's the challenge mm-hmm. but the moves that you need to execute in a in a board game if there is strategy at all is a lot more cerebral and i think sure. that that i think it makes i don't know i, I i'm just kind of thinking about this i feel like random chance in video games is often used to 
is not the fun, I guess, of a game. I don't know if that's even the right thing to say. I'm trying to find the, I, I just feel like there's a, a nugget of something in here where like the randomness that's introduced in a board game is often where a lot of the excitement is of like, if I roll double ones, I send you back home. If I roll anything else, you know, I just move forward or I might move into a spot that sends me back home or whatever. And mm-hmm. in video games, that random chance is often something that is just it's not as important. Like, sure, maybe the the enemy dropped a, a rare item versus a a, a a white common item or something. And that may be exciting if they drop a legendary and you may be still playing for that randomness, but it I think there's just so much more of it that it kind of isn't. Whereas, like in one turn, the randomness affects a much larger portion of the game in a board game. Right, right, right. Like in Diablo, you might want the legendary to to, to that maybe actually is what the build you're going to do is based off of even. But if you don't find it. That, that's actually, and maybe Diablo is a really unfair example. <laughs> no, I couldn't figure out another way to go, though. But like, like with Diablo, like that's kind of the downfall of it is that even if you do get that legendary and do get that new build, generally the play experience is still the same. Yeah, that right? random so chance you're killing the, the demon, like that's the game. Right. You know? But whereas in the board game, if you do get those double ones, that's a huge change, and. In fact, was much less rare than you getting the like the 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 odds of you getting the legendary weapon for your build in Diablo are kind of astronomical. Mm-hmm. You just don't realize how many of those dice rolls you're making as you slaughter four hundred thousand of the same skeleton. Right. But in a board game, the odds are much higher that you get those double ones, but it feels so much more rare. Right. And it right. because it has such a much bigger impact on how the game is played going forward. Yeah, yeah, no, agree, uh, agree completely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that board games are are something that that have really uh, certainly they've uh, you know been around forever uh, in a variety of, of formats. But to to the point that you made earlier, like I think that people do think of board games as chess, checkers, backgammon, Monopoly, Sorry, Life, whatever you know, and even some of the ones that we've that we've named like pandemic and and you know risk legacy which risk is kind of classic but like the legacy version is a newer twist on it or the betrayal game that i mentioned is a very popular Mm -hmm. board game but really i think once kickstarter became a a real thing like the explosion of of board games that you have now is just it's just huge so it's uh, my point is just get out there and look because you'll be surprised at the the variety and yeah, amount of different choices. That no, are. I definitely agree. And I think before Kickstarter, there still were quite a few of them. Because, I mean, there are worldwide tournaments on, like, new games. Like, people to make a new game, especially in Europe, um, that, like, it it can win a German Game of the Year award or something. So, so there have been a lot of them for a long time. Um, but I would agree that Kickstarter doubled that down while also increasing the visibility. Because while mm-hmm. all these games were being made, there were you were a lot more niche to be somebody that collected, you know, strange board games and got your friends to play them was probably more niche even than getting your friends to play video games. Especially mm-hmm. in the like the nineties and two thousands, I think it was a lot more culturally accepted to be a video gamer even when it wasn't 
as broadly accepted as it is now, but it was still more than to have some somebody come up to you with some weird game that was, you know, made in France or something and had some maybe some cool mechanics or whatever outside of like kids. There's always been some kind of kid focused board games like I don't know if you could call it a board game, but something like Crossfire or, right. you know, some escape of volcano with rolling you know, volcano orbs or whatever. Um, but those are pretty, I don't know, they, they relied a lot on a single mechanic for a commercial than, than they were a real game. Um, uh, Crabtree, my close childhood friend, actually owned Crossfire, and which is the only person I've ever known that owned that. And I thought it was, I was so excited to play it. And it was not a fun game. It's shoot your friends shoot with metal balls. It's take the guns off of the board and shoot your friends with spherical metal balls. <laughs> that is the game. Like <laughs> I, I had a friend that lived close by that that had it, and yeah, we tried to play it once, but it's like no, let's just rip these off the base and run around and shoot each other with. Let's see if someone can lose an eye. Right. All right, folks. Well, that's going to be all for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at P-U-Y-S pod. We've also started streaming uh, and that we announce our, our stream times on Twitter whenever we do that. So, so follow us there to get those as well. Uh, we would love to interact with you guys. So whether that be on Twitter or on stream, we can also find us on Discord. We've also got a Steam group now. Uh, links for all of that are, are in the show notes below. So we, we really invite you to, to join us on any of those, uh, again, as we would really like to interact with you. If you would like to have any more of my insights, this is Walker, on pretty much anything not related to gaming, please check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which is also available everywhere podcasts are found.